Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. Uh, and we are fresh out of watching Adam's birthday choice, um, oh. which was Deathline, 1972? 1972's Deathline. Um, yes. Before we dive into that then, um, Adam, what have you been watching in the world of horror since we last met? Uh, to be fair, I don't think I've watched much, actually. Um, I, I mean, obviously, because when we watched The Relic, um, I've watched Netflix Netflix original Mute, which is sci-fi rather than horror, but that, yep. that was pretty spectacular. Pretty On much, my watch list for tomorrow. Yeah, I'm pretty much all the way through the third series of Black Mirror now, yes. the last one I've mm. got to see. Now that's um, horror. And that was, um, yeah, and Kurt Russell's son, which I hadn't actually put two and two together, and that was like, oh my God, it's Kurt Russell's son. So, yeah. Wow, Kurt Russell's I don't think I've seen that one. It's the one with, it's season three, I think it's the second episode, it's the one where it's an interactive game that gets planted into the oh, back okay. of your neck. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the American guy in that, yeah, that apparently mm. is Kurt Russell's son. And he goes into the house, and yeah, that's the one. It yeah, becomes very horrific. Yeah, it goes all sort of, uh, it goes a bit Silent Hill, goes a bit Resident Evil, but yeah, it's yeah, it's brilliant. It's Charlie Brooker, well done. Mm. Oh, everything he does is amazing. I need to go back and rewatch the third season because I think when it came out, we binge watched it. So again, it, the same as we did with this season. So I think we binge watched it, and now I, I. I could gladly go... Well, to be honest, I'd go back and watch the whole of Black Mirror again yeah. because mm. I haven't seen any of them again since the first viewing. Yeah. They were all amazing and I haven't seen any of them in a long time so I could definitely re-watch them. Like we were saying earlier, though, I think the Channel 4 stuff is quite hit and miss because like mm. the f- first series of three, the first two were great, the third one was all right. Then the second series, I only really liked the middle one. Mm. Um, and then they did that Christmas episode which featured uh, Rafe Spall which was fucking brilliant it was so good so so and a, good and again because that's the thing is, is I was sort of because Claire never although she liked Charlie Brooker um, she'd never sort of watched Black Mirror so I, was, I sort of showed her the um, earlier series and we're sort of working our way through these together slightly mm. less funny than 
some of his. Oh work. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it sort of yeah. It, it certainly has that sort of element. But she, the thing that she was saying about it is is just how plausible he does. Um, he how plausible his futures are. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But he is very. It's like how Nigel Neal used to be. It's very sort of like I I've studied this and this is its natural conclusion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, sort of like the I mean, Men on Fire, the the army one with the uh, yeah, that was just unbelievably that was good. Really, really good. Soundtrack was Jeff Barrow from Porter's Head and Ben Spilsbury. And so I've I've actually had the soundtrack for that for over a year before I saw mm. the episode. <laughs> that, that probably adds a little. Oh yeah, it's, to it, it, it's quite nice. Although there occasionally I do I do this a lot where I'll buy um, like soundtracks if if I've heard they're good, especially because nowadays like you get limited runs a lot of the time. They won't necessarily if they release it on CD, it will be like a thousand or whatever like that. Mm. And. Um, so I sort of tend to get in quick, just in case. Yeah. So there's quite a few that I've got sort of stuff for where I'm like, oh yeah, um, like I've bought the album, so I've heard the albums quite a few times before I actually see the thing. Hmm. Every so often, though, I will just happen stumble across a movie and be going, bloody know this, <laughs> I know this tune. <laughs> oh yeah, I bought the soundtrack. That's why. <laughs> I don't know anyone who buys quite as many soundtracks mm. as you. It's an obsession. Um, Chris, have you been watching anything horror? Well, another one that I think you said you're not too keen on, possibly you stopped watching it, but Altered Carbon. Yes. We, I got through to the end of it, and I, I thought it was fantastic. I, really I, under- it. I understand it's like the, the first sort of four or five episodes are kind of the world building. Mm. And then it goes off into really kicks in high gear. I thought it did really good um, twists, and Mm. yeah, the story evolved and changed. Um, And even one episode. um, So I don't know. You must have understood enough. You watched the first two episodes, yeah. 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 Um, So it's his mind is in a different body. Yeah. And then you get used to. You've seen several episodes of him in that body and you get used to it but then they play one where it's him back in the past and it was funny just how quickly I got used to that and I, I'd almost forgotten the rest of the story Yeah, but this was a flashback like Japanese like yeah because yeah. the, the, the original the first episode opens with him in his actual body doesn't mm. it and Harry dies as, yeah that's right yeah okay I'd even forgotten that bit at the start yeah. but yeah yeah. Um, yeah and you see him as a like a younger boy perhaps nine or ten, something like that, with his sister um, in flashbacks. But yeah, so I, I just thought they did a really good job. Um, I, I think it helped. I really liked some of the philosophy in it. Like there's um, scenes where he's he's built another version of himself and I'm slightly concerned about giving away spoilers because <laughs> uh, you might watch it again. I, I won't say too much. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to check it out. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't say any more then. But, but I just, I thought, yeah, really good um, investigation into the mind and again a possible future. Really, not ridiculously far off. De- yeah. Definitely elements of that sort of Charlie Brooker, Black mm. Mirror stuff. So yeah, I, I really liked it. In the end, I was impressed. That's what we'll have. We'll have to do. We'll have to do another podcast. Welcome to sci-fi. Yeah. Welcome to cyberpunk. Yeah, where we just yeah. like you know Blade Runner twenty forty nine mm. and just yeah. I'll be up for that. 
Um, so I, in the in the definite horror genre, I went back and rewatched um, a film that I watched originally with you, Adam. I watched Lords of Salem again last oh, weekend. Oh wow! Yeah. Zombie movie. Um, and as a result, been listening to a lot of uh, Velvet Underground all week. Um, so that's one of the films that's good. Yes, yeah. uh, phenomenally good. I, I was gutted actually. It was on its premiere weekend. It was showing at the Prince Charles in Leicester Square, and a friend of ours got press release tickets and went and saw the press release mm-hmm. version. And I saw him at a party, and he said, "Oh, what are you up to? Anything interesting?" I said, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the Prince Charles." Anyway, I went to the press screening. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Don't go. So I didn't go, and then I waited until it came out on DVD, and then Adam bought it and brought it around. We watched it, and I went, well, that was phenomenal. Like, I could have yeah. seen that on the big screen at Prince Charles, and I just didn't. But yeah, I think it's it's one of those, if you like the slow burn 70s style, mm. Rosemary's Baby type movies, uh, like The Sentinel, all those. It's, mm. it, it's, so not it's full a, on crazy action not, all the way. No, mm. and there's a lot of uh, visual stuff, so a lot of it, okay. although a lot of the story is never fully explained, a lot of it's left to your imagination. It looks stunning, mm. and it's it's just a fantastic story. I, I, think, it's really his, I think it's his best looking film, actually. Yeah. I mean, House of Thousand Corpses Th- is... That is a very good style. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's not a huge amount of cinematography type. It's No. Because uh, House of Thousand Corpses is that thing we were talking about where it's like all... Uh, yeah, listen to Welcome to Horror episode whatever yeah. where we covered House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's got that thing we were saying about where it, it does a lot of chopping and changing of... Uh, Film stock and video and yeah. animation mm. and little bits and stuff like that and filters, which in in of itself is a style. But you know, just Lords of Salem is a, is visually consistent all the way throughout. Yeah, and yeah, it's really, a, yeah, just really well done. And I remember it being, I remember it being a, a more of a psychological movie when I came out of it. So when I rewatched it now, oh, probably six or seven years on. Now I've gone back and rewatched it. There's a lot more. It's not action, but there's a lot more overtly obvious stuff happening. In it. Mm. Whereas I remember a lot of it just being, "Oh, well, is it in her mind?" And yeah. And when yeah. I rewatched it back, I was like, "Nope, nope, it definitely isn't." That's it's happening. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of really weird shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's just a fantastic film. Mm. Really, really enjoy it. Because I know Dean said he watched it recently and he actually found it dated a bit. Oh, really? Yeah. But then I don't know. I don't know in what sense he meant that. Yeah. Um, like whether it was, you know, just of its time or yeah. you know, in what sense. You'll have to fill me. What is Salem? It's a place. And it's to do with. So Salem is in Massachusetts. Okay. Massachusetts. It's... It's where the witch trials took place. Mm, okay. Lady Jennifer and I went there yeah. about three years ago, um, and no, it must be more than that because this is what this is why I was gutted. So Jennifer and I went there, and while we were there, um, because it's uh, Salem's big thing is it had the witch trials, um, and it also had uh, a lot of pirates. So 
So to, I was going to say, I imagined there to be witch trials in quite a lot of places. Mm. But so yeah, yeah Salem was like a very most... early settlement. Okay, because mm. um, it's on the coast, so it's where we sort of hit first. Was along right. that. So Boston, I think, was where we landed, wasn't it? Around there, we where we mm. landed. But yeah, and then so we went from Boston down to Salem, and they are so their main import is. Is, uh, uh, the main export, sorry, is you know their their witch history. Um, so there are dozens of museums there, but we found one that was uh, um, Count Orlock's Nightmare Museum, I think it was called, um, and it was all movie stuff rather than the historical stuff. Um, and I loved it. We had a great time there, mm. and. We then came home, and I loved it so much that I followed it on Facebook. And literally two months after we got home, the guy who owned... Because when, when we were there, the guy who owned it was in there. He sort of runs it. But he comes and talks to you as you're going okay. around and stuff. Yeah. It's re- not in, a, in an intrusive way. He did it in a really nice way. Mm. Um, yeah, and we got back, and two months later, he posted a picture of him with Rob Zombie. <laughs> and then two months after that, we found out he was making Lords of Salem. So he was there mm. scouting out locations. So a lot of the places that they went, like the town hall and stuff, we were there a few months before they oh, were filming good. there. So it was quite nice. Yeah, because yeah, you, were, I remember watching it with you, and you and Jennifer were going, "Oh, that's mm. the bench," you know, mm. and, and there were all the pits that you you knew you recognised. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's a beautiful place. It's really yeah. So the idea is, the witches who were burned at Salem were actual witches, and um, and they have come back through this bloodline to exact revenge on the people who burnt them. Mm. Um, that's a bit of a spoiler, but it's such a visually beautiful film. I, I, the story is almost... It's praxis, that film, because it is, is more about getting there than it is... Yeah. It's, yeah. That, that's, it's not like, you know, the twist at the end or anything else mm. like that. It's kind of... It builds and everything, yeah. Mm. And oh, yeah, it's a fantastic film, really good. Um, and also watch The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. which isn't exactly horror, but it is Guillermo del Toro. So, mm. um, yeah, and I was saying to Adam before we started recording, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good film. I think it's a lot more mainstream than a lot of his others, not than Hellboy, obviously, but a lot more than his sort of Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone. Um, yeah, and I think all the people who are raving about this. Should definitely go and watch Pan's Labyrinth and stuff because it'll blow their minds. Yeah, because yeah. this was a good film, but those are exceptional. Mm. And I think it's funny, but going backwards from this is almost like an extension of his work. Like it's, mm. I'd quite like us to watch Pan's Labyrinth because I have seen it, but I don't totally remember it. I would definitely. I've not yeah. seen it for a long time. I haven't watched it in a while, definitely because. It was um, to do with war, though, wasn't it? And then yeah, oh, some yeah. sort of fantasy starts happening. Yeah. yeah, but I really cannot remember the details. Well, in that case, yeah. I was going to say, so, so... I know we normally do this at the end of the show, but... Yeah. We are hoping for the next episode um, to have uh, Claire with us, mm, our okay. very pregnant friend, to watch Prevenge. Yes. Um, but if we can't arrange that for the next episode and we do one in between... It's Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. I, yeah, I Such a beautiful and disturbing film. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing is Guillermo del Toro. Actually, probably that's it. 
because I, I, I actually I've not seen the shape of water, so I'm sort of uh, pre- preempting this. Mm. Um, Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone, so accurately capture childhood. Yes. And that's you, do you know what I mean? I think yeah. maybe that's where his you know where he his really, real strength lies. Yeah, because it's that thing of it's almost like the William Blake thing of the realities are porous when you're a child. Yeah. Where it's, um, yeah, this is, this fantasy is as real Almost as Almost anything reality. could happen because yeah. you don't have the historic evidence of this never happens. Yeah. Know? Like, it's, yeah. And so, yeah, so maybe that's a thing. But yeah, yeah. I, I think Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. You also said that you saw the prestige. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, following the, our last episode when Adam suggested that I watched The Prestige. I went ahead and did so. Um, Thank you, Adam. What a phenomenally good film. Well, Um, you know, I only recommend the best. So that's Christopher Nolan. It is Christopher Mm -hmm. Nolan. Um, Yeah, I I was unaware that Andy Serkis or David Bowie were in it, so I was... Yeah, how how I managed to recommend that without mentioning (laughs) David Bowie is quite sodding impressive, actually. It was one of those, just sitting there watching it, and it went... (laughs) Holy shit, David Bowie! <laughs> and he's so good. He's yeah. so good in it. Um, I yeah. imagine all of them to be pretty good in it. It was a really good film. Mm. It was a really good film. I was saying to Adam again. I know it's off horror. Um, I finally saw three billboards, and that is possibly one of the best cast films I have ever seen. Mm. Um, Oh, it's miserable. It's a miserable, miserable film. That, that wasn't the word I was expecting. It's, it is. It's a very that's, dark that's, film. That's, if, if Lee is recommending a miserable film, mm-hmm. you know it's a good yeah. fucking film. It feels like a Coen Brothers film. Mm. It's very... It's, uh, but again, it's, it's got fantastic comedy elements in it and the interactions between people are really heartwarming at, at times. Um... But oh, it's just gut wrenching and miserable and oh, desolate. It's, oh, it's a fantastic film. It's getting closer to Requiem. It, oh, it's oh, not as bad as Requiem, <laughs> thankfully. I will. I would probably watch this again, okay. not for a while, but I would probably. Oh, watch oh, that's this definitely again. on my list. What? Honestly, watch it. Mm. It was. Oh, it's. Oh, it's. A, it's a great film. I can see why people are raving about it. Mm. Um, even people who don't really know film, I think of taken a lot from this mm. um, yeah and it's a great film and just lastly you did remind me that talking about Salem and Witchburning that I saw the another Inside Number 9 mm. and oh, cool. it was the witch one so. oh with David <laughs> Warner yes <laughs> so yeah it was excellent and he, yeah, he tries to take that uh, the oh the, the butt plug yeah. sort of thing yeah <laughs> Inside yeah. Number 9 is mm. amazing yeah. it's such yeah. a good show it's so much fun most mm. of the time. Yeah, I, um, I the dark ones are. Ugh. Yeah, I thought the, the another good one was uh, when they they're hiding under the cake because that did keep oh, kind of yes. changing all the way yeah. through. Yeah. And at the end, it was just like this is just turned into chaos. There's so many good ones. I I actually um, I said to Claire, look, I know I know we should be saving money, and I know that you know we've got more important things to buy for, but 
we really need all four series on Blu-ray. Don't we? <laughs> even, even though I've already bought you series one and two on DVD. But, but yeah, so that's stacked four. Because mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go hair spotting. Because have you heard about this? No. There's a it. I'm not spoiling anything. It comes to, it becomes a key. Uh, a, it becomes a plot point in the last episode of series four. I saw that. Yeah, I did see that. That hair, the statue of the hair that's in yeah. it, that is in every episode of Inside Number Nine. No. Yes. Really. Yeah, and I've, and so we're going to go hair hunting. I, I haven't seen any hairs. It's, that's the thing. Oh, they they just put it. it it's yeah. like. On side balls, because that's the thing. It's just a, it's just an ornament. Mm-hmm. So it's just in the background of things. In in the one where it's the, um, you know, the one that's told in several flashbacks, where it's the, the removal. removals. Yeah, it's that just, was. It's just so good. Yeah, in that the hair's just sticking out of the box with loads of other stuff. And so it's in every episode. It's just and it's in Tubbs's, uh, Tubbs and Edwards' new shop in the latest <laughs> League of Gentlemen as well. So yeah. It's yeah, Inside Number Nine is one of those genius shows where it's one of those shows that I look forward to every week, which I mm. don't do much anymore. I generally, because stuff has a, a follow through story, and I'm shit at remembering what mm. happened week mm. to week. That is week. what's good about it, really. Is yeah, that they're all kind they're of all they're all, they're all like totally different, and yet also similar. Yeah, like, mm. it is interesting how you can manage to do that. Well, I think it's 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 like well, I mean, it's like we were saying, it's like Black Mirror. It's yeah, like, it, yeah. Uh, the anthology stuff. I mean, even I mean, obviously, uh, like American Horror Story has a throughput through the thing, but I yeah. think the single episode, or in Black Mirror's case, short film, mm. film length, whatever it is, I think that is a really fertile sort of. Place and I think just at the moment I think everything's culturally there's so much going on that that actually is probably more successful because yeah. basically you can say to someone right you like you know you like Hammer and you like comedy watch that which one yeah or you know you like you like you know you want to see something like totally never seen before watch this or you know and and literally but people can spare half an hour 40 minutes but you don't have to get involved with like oh yeah yeah, watch this there's five series it really gets started in series three yeah Yeah. exactly and you're like what yeah you know i can't wait for you to see that my two favorite episodes um Mm. one is very horror which is the christmas episode at the ski (laughs) thing um, and the other one, which I think was before that, actually, um, and I've watched it about four times now because it's just so good, is the cryptic crossword episode. Yes. Uh, again, I was not expecting that. Oh, have you seen that one? No, no, I wasn't expecting you to say my favourite episode. <laughs> it was the, the cryptic, cryptic crossword. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the bizarre thing. Yeah. me. It's one of those shows where it does have that. And actually, the other thing as well is, like, I mean, I always think of, I mean, my go-to is always to think of The Twilight Zone. And The Twilight Zone is fucking wonderful. Oh, yeah. But they yeah. never managed to get a cryptic crossword. They never managed to get a cryptic crossword. <laughs> I don't know. I'm working my way through yeah, all okay. five series. But um, but even with that, that was, there was a lot of people involved. Although yeah. Rod Serling wrote a bulk of the episodes. I didn't know that he wrote them. Oh, yeah, he wrote quite a few. Bloody hell. Um, he wrote um, the script to Planet of the Apes as well. 
like the the because wow. the, the book is a lot different. Um, it's sort of they're not. It, I think they're much more technologically advanced in the book or something okay. like that. Whereas he wrote, and obviously it has a Twilight Zone style ending. You yeah, know, it's yeah, of, of course. And but. Um, yeah, he wrote quite a few of them, but a lot of them were written by Richard Matheson, who we've yeah. mentioned loads of times, and some of them are adaptions of stories that already exist and things like that. Whereas Inside Number Nine is uh, Steve Pemberton and Rhys Shearsmith, mm. and you know that is a, that is a pretty good quality control to have done what now four series. Uh, so yeah. you know, twenty four episodes, and yeah, give or take, probably one of the most consistent anthology series. Mm. I was going to say, there's a couple that have been so dark that I probably wouldn't return to them, but mm. with the exception, but but that's not that they're not brilliant. I don't think they've had a crap episode. No. There's just been ones that have just been oh it's too been uncomfortable to watch, and and also the the fact that they can do they've done the like, like there's the, the one where it goes, uh, the, they keep taking it back 10 minutes in reverse. Yes. There's the one where, it, the silent one. Yeah. You know. Yep. And I mean, if you, you know, I mean, and that was like very early sort of first series. I think it was like the second or third episode. Mm. And I don't think there's many things where you'd be like, oh yeah, there's a, it's a, they've done a silent thing about two burglars. And it's like, oh, have they? <laughs> Whereas with that, it was like, oh. Fucking yeah, can't wait to see yeah. that. Yeah, oh, it's mm. exceptional show. Um, go back to Rod Sterling though. Um, I always preferred because I'd never even heard of it until you lent me the box set. I always preferred the Night Gallery. Night Gallery is great. Night yeah. Gallery is fantastic. I think it was that first episode that really drew me in. Oh, with Roddy McDowell, where he keeps calling that guy Portafoy. Oh no, it might not be the first episode. It's the one that's the story like the Mizzetin, where they've got the picture and it's the house. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't. And the picture yeah. keeps changing every time mm. he looks at it, and it's just like Mr. James is the Mizzetin, and mm. I think it's a, a like a modern adaptation of that. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's just so brilliantly shot, and it's uh, there's something about black and white for me mm. that at times just elevates stuff and just makes it so atmospheric and mm. so. Well, there's that weird thing at the moment where they're doing it with lots of films, aren't they? they did Mad Max Fury Road and uh, Logan. Yeah, and, and The Mist. Be, yeah, they've both they've all been re-released mm. black and white. Which, you know... I didn't know they'd done it with Logan. Yeah. No, I but, loved Logan. Did you, see, that's funny, because I really didn't like it. Do you not? No, and I couldn't really work out why. I don't, so, I don't like any of the X-Men. And yet I quite liked him. But, yeah, but Logan was just... I think it was because somehow I felt like I don't know what it was. No, like she, she was like him. Oh, it's just there was something maybe because I, I liked the idea of Stephen Merchant being in it as well, and yeah. so it's like I like the changes they've got and uh, what's it? Xavier's old and a bit crazy. <laughs> right, so it's, like, it's all good, but I think I might just have to watch it again and just be used to the change, perhaps. I think the problem is that I didn't like about it. Like, although the Marvel... St- oh, I finally saw... Not to get off topic, <laughs> but, but we are. Um, finally saw Thor Ragnarok after Deadpool. Definitely my favourite Marvel film today. Okay. It was so, so, so good. Um, but I think... 
the problem I had with the X-Men was it just felt too... I don't know. Like, Marvel had enough to keep me entertained as a non-fan of the the original. Yeah. Um, whereas I felt the X-Men and stuff, it always felt... I don't know. It just I felt dated to me. I think I only saw possibly the first two of the films, so I don't even know... So, I mean, and Marvel has come up to date and it's brought, yeah. it's taken the characters and put them really well and it's put lots of comedy in and it, the comedy always lands and the characters are really engaging and I just felt the X-Men never did that. Yeah, When Logan tried something new with an adult turn, mm. that was what sold it for me. X-Men, mm. the thing is though, is that all the X-Men films, it's not Marvel Studios. Um, no, 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 no. So no, that's probably where that difference comes in. Yeah, but they just whoever's making it just mm. hasn't. They've just not got the mixture right. Mm. Um, I, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy and obviously the the Avengers movies mm. and everything. They've just got it right. Well, it's just. So I watched Black Panther at cinema the other day. And okay. That seemed similar. I thought that was going to be much more serious, and then it had lots of comedy in it, similar to Deadpool and. I think they've worked, I think Marvel have worked out they are good at doing that. Yeah. They are good at putting that element in there. I think that's probably what I liked originally about the first X Men was because that reminded me because I used to love the cartoons. Mm. So it mm. probably was more of a reminder of that. I think maybe, I, it's not like I think of them as amazing films. Maybe <laughs> it's that it's just they maybe it's they you, they feel like they take themselves too seriously, whereas mm. the, yeah. the, I think the Marvel Studio stuff doesn't. Yeah, and also Marvel Studios are. I think they're bigging up the comedy as well because we have seen what happens with DC where you take yourself too seriously and it falls flat on its ass. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I and think you end up like Captain Mannering. You're just pompous yeah. rather than important. Exactly. I think, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a problem. I mean, I've had Justice League sitting here now for two weeks and I just can't be bothered to watch it. And I, and I should. Yeah, but, but, like, you know, like you said... Um, Wonder Woman and all those, like they, they tried to add a bit of an element of comedy into it, but it doesn't. I did, I did quite like way. that. I thought it was alright. I didn't dislike but, it. Yeah, yeah. But oh, but oh, Superman versus Batman. Just I haven't seen that, and I don't. Especially want to no, I've, I've. I think that's one of those ones where I thought to myself, "Yeah, I've hit forty. Yeah, I'm gonna have to <laughs> it. Uh, oh, it's just awful. Um, on that subject, I was saying to Adam earlier, I think we should do a side thing. Let us know if you want us to do a side thing as a one-off bonus. Um, bonus. Because Adam is not interested in it. But we've discussed a few times the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm, and okay. I've just ordered the first six movies on Blu-ray. Right. Um, so I think you and I should do a movie marathon and then do a little episode afterwards about okay. how you found <laughs> Fast and Furious. Um, anyway, sorry. We've waffled on for far too long. I'm sure it? we can edit bits. But I'm sure yeah. we can. And we haven't hit the main, the main event... So, Adam's special birthday treat Yay. this evening. Um, I'm very keen to hear what you think of it. I am going to be no holds barred critical of it because I haven't been to anything today. Um, and I know that Adam doesn't take it personally. So, he will be fine with my... Analysis. Wait, so, so you hadn't seen it? Yeah, no, I've, you, I've you seen it twice. Oh, OK. Um, and... And don't like it. So, what did uh, you okay. make, Deathlight? Oh well, <laughs> I, I really liked it. Let, let me just check my notes. 
overall, I thought it was really great, and I particularly liked Donald Pleasance yeah. yes. as the inspector. He was excellent. And, uh, I mean, I still think I would have liked it without him, but that really made it extremely entertaining. Um, mm. Yeah, that was, it was just perfect, really. Um, so, uh, but, um, obviously he added a very good comedic element to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I was thinking throughout, like, what was the serious part of it? And obviously you've got, so at first I was trying to work out, like, they're in... The, the underground, mm-hmm. what we're calling them, I didn't really figure out. He's just called the man. The man, the uh, yeah, in the credits. Right, we okay. would refer to him as Jeff Rotol. <laughs> right. or, or Alan Morsing, better days. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, well, so the man, um, yeah, at first I was thinking, how has he survived that long? And it took me a while to sort of accept that as a uh, plausible enough plot line mm. and by the end I thought okay I, I actually I think that's good I definitely got used to it by then and I th- when they were investigating him and they said he's got the plague I was because I was sort of thinking well surely he would have died off because he's going to have too many bad things going on um, but yeah I decided I don't mind that because the whole rest of it worked really well and they did cast a young enough actor that you yeah. would, as you say like if it was a guy in his 60s or whatever you'd go He'd be but, dead by mm, now yeah. with no medical. But he was a youngish guy, so... And died. But anyway, so yeah, that, at first I wasn't sure. Um, and I think, I was trying to work out why, I think that was because of the long scenes introducing him, where it was panning around. Oh, that single take where it goes yeah, round which, and round. And again, yeah. I, I sort of thought, I've got to try and think, because so, that's so different to what you would have now. Mm. So again, it's like, I think all these older films, I have to try and make myself readjust. And I definitely did by the end. I thought, okay, that's fine. I'm used to that. So I didn't want it. And I, yeah, I just thought there was something about the, um, particularly the inspector, Donald Pleasance, was sort of making comments about class mm. all the points. And so I thought, well, that's an interesting, serious element throughout, is that mm. he was kind of looking down on the MI5, um, who was Christopher Lee. Yeah. Um, but he was also looking down on the student, and I was thinking at first, why was his comment, uh, was it about economists he doesn't like? But then I just sort of thought, yeah, it could be all students. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then possibly the actual people in the underground were sort of like a forgotten underclass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they could represent that. So yeah, I, you know, I thought it was really good. It has, because it definitely has that element because you've got, because not only that, but also they're the survivors of, again, it's a, it's another a class. Another era. Or, but again, it's another class thing where it's like, they don't matter. Yeah. You know, we, we they were our workers, we haven't got enough money yeah. to dig them out, fuck them. Mm. Yeah. You know, they get left behind. Also, so I possibly missed that explanation a little bit, which I thought yeah, may it, not have helped. Yeah. But I think also because that's the thing is where they where it's kind of like they've its generations have survived in yeah. there. Because I was th- I was thinking this is that you end up with a particularly tough strain. Yeah, of okay. people because the people evolution. who did survive yeah. would have to be pretty. Because we okay, so there was in theory there was quite a lot of them possibly to you, start with. I think, I think they said there was, did they say it was eight, eight men and eight four, men, four um, women, okay. and then. 
you know, they can obviously procreate. So the fact that you could say the fact that any of them survived meant they were tough enough to then to then yeah on. pass it on yeah. to their. Do you think offspring. that's only eighty years or something before this yeah. film was supposed to be set? So you think there's probably only two, two generations? Yeah. Mm. So it's it's not a, an inconceivable amount mm. really. Mm. Um, and also the because um, funnily enough, it, it, and it's a weird tangent. Me and Claire were watching a documentary about the Holocaust, mm. and there were lots of uh, survivors on there who was, and we were just saying, or you know, like Claire was saying, but you know, they're very good for their age. Mm. You know, there's people in their eighties and nineties, and they're still very sort of, you know, independent. They're not and mentally very focused. And, yeah. You know, mm. they're not they're not showing the ravages of age despite yeah. their age. And I and I was saying, well. Thinking about it, they would they have, would have, have to have been tough to have genes, gone through. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe there's an element where yeah. you know that's why they are still the way they are because they were already resilient in that sense. Mm. You know, that some uh, uh, weaker people would have probably gone under earlier. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and it's and so yeah, maybe it's the same so, sort of thing. So it also yeah. makes a lot more sense now because I hadn't realised that he was. Um, Sort of second generation. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought he had just been in there, so I must have totally missed that explanation, and I didn't pick it up. From no, I think the I think it's just the timeline, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because like they were saying say. it was it was eighteen ninety something, yeah. mm. and this film was filmed in the seventies, so it was probably set in the late sixties. So you think, well, there's probably only sixty years between. I think it is meant to be contemporary to seventy two, so yeah, so it would be yeah seventy odd years, yeah, you know, from the. Because actually, yeah, because the tube obviously sort of um, the the tube network was started in the not in the Victorian era, but in the Wardian era. Um, so they said eighteen ninety two, and this was shot in nineteen seventy two. Yeah, yeah, so that's eighty years. Eighty but, years. Yeah. So, so yeah, he would be the grandson, possibly, of yeah. the people who were trapped there. Because obviously, you've got that ossuary, which is obviously. The survivors, uh, the, the like the the graveyard of the people who were trapped and the generations that yeah, they which you see sort of more properly at the end. Yeah, where they're leaving the little trinkets. On I was going to say yes, that was what yeah. I really liked was the mm. fact that when they cannibalise people, they take all their valuables and, and lay them as yeah. a like a like you would like an offering. And, yeah. yeah, and I, I really liked that touch. Yeah. And also, and also the fact that they are separate; they're not part of the larder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They you know, keep they're, they're not me. They yeah. are the people they cared for. Yeah, and so they are given this separate. They're giving a, a proper burial rather than just being food. Mm. There are elements of this that I like. As you say, I mm. love the the Donald Pleasance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some really laugh out loud. Oh bits yeah, oh, he's such a great character. Yeah. We, we must confront the elephant in the room that Donald Pleasance's character actually does nothing. Within terms of the plot, yeah. oh yeah, because he does not. Basically, they turn up roughly around the same time that um, the couple are getting out of yeah. Alex and Patricia. Are, yeah, like he's gone in, rescued her. Things have come to a sort of head, but they're still just a little bit late. And he's already beaten him to death. Yeah, he's like, but, yeah. he's already gonna die. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. Because that's the thing as well is is that because there's a really there's a really good book called Mind the Doors and it's written by the guy who directed The Devil's Business 
um, which is that weird hitman, hitmen in a house waiting for a guy to come back, and he's an occultist, and he's got a uh, he's got like weird stuff knocking around the shop. That rings a strange bell. Yeah, I think because I think I think I lent it to you a while back, but yeah, around probably around the same sort Have of time. Have I given it back? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh right. Um, around the same sort of time as the Borderlands, maybe. So like a few years back now, maybe like. Okay. Yeah. Three, four years. It definitely rings a bell. Yeah. Well, he he he's written a book. Um, part of this um, series of books that are called the Midnight Movie Monographs, and they've done Twin Peaks, Firewalk with Me, Theatre of Blood, um, Martin, the Jules Romero yeah, yeah. vampire film, and Deathline, and. Uh, it, most of it is given over to him writing a fantasy diary of Donald Pleasance's character, <laughs> linking it up to like loads of other films like Frenzy and things like that as well. So, um, but in there he he points out that Patricia's the only one who actually cares. Yeah, because Donald Pleasance, Donald Pleasance is more pissed off that MI Five are encroaching on his manor. Yeah, MI Five just want everyone out of the way and it typed up very neatly please and it doesn't actually matter that someone's gone missing as long as we don't have a scandal yeah. because of it and even and, and like Alex is a dick that's he, the boyfriend yeah, yeah he yeah, genuinely he is. is a yeah. prick mm. uh, but again sort of like and she like he's ready to like he kicks the crap out of the man and in fairness you know he's the man starts it you know he leaps yeah. on him <laughs> and then but yeah, and but she has to tell him to stop yeah. because yeah. he he's beaten. He's yeah. on the ground. He's not yeah. fighting back or anything. So and he's basically, going, none of the men have yeah. any amount of compassion. Or, yeah. yeah, and it, and it is a th- and it is a process of kicking down. Like you say, mm. it's like the class thing because obviously yeah. you've got and the very start the mm. Man- Manfred. Oh, Manfred. Yeah, Manfred, yeah, because he's just like going to pay a random woman. Yeah, having been round yeah. like the sex shops of Soho um, and strip clubs and everything yeah. else like that, and yeah, it is it is all about sort of class kicking down, mm-hmm. and it's like because Christopher Lee kick is part of officer class, so yeah. he looks down on you know they're just the ordinary plods, mm. and and like and uh, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasant doesn't like. Donald Pleasant kicks both ways. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't like anyone. He doesn't like the students, and he doesn't like MI Five because yeah. they'd be considered above him. Yeah, yeah. but equally, or the Queen, I think. Yeah, oh, God bless her. Yeah. Don't you laugh when you Don't say that? Don't you smile when you say that? And, oh, and he, he always puts on the voice as well, doesn't he? Talking about MI Five. MI Five. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, that was, I'd bit, forgotten about that bit on the phone as well when he actually yeah. phones and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, you're the secretary." <laughs> When will you be expecting him home? Oh, okay, not so. Uh, tell him it's Princess Anne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the bit with the drawers as well. Suspicious bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he does stick up for the police when he's talking to the barman. Yeah, he says about how much they earn, how much work they do. You know, he's yeah, very much. So he's sort of, I suppose, he's rooting a bit for people that are close yeah. to him well again it's uh, again it's because you've just sat there and found out how much like what was it he owes his tailor 60 guineas, yeah. 600 guineas I don't think I've paid 20 quid for a suit in my life <laughs> <laughs> some would yeah. say you've been Robson <laughs> he's great as well the other yeah. the, the other copper as well they're also because I don't think I don't think anyone's really bad in it you know there's no mm, one who's yeah. sort of um, I mean 
Patricia is kind of uh, as a character. Mm. I think she's kind of sort of a bit wet, and you kind of get she the impression is. you get the impression that Alex is a well. You don't get the impression Alex is a prick, but you kind of get the impression that he's quite overbearing to her. Yeah, and even when she tries to go away, she tries to walk out on him. And manages to go away for a day, mm. and then comes back and wants to be forgiven, even though he was being the prick. Yeah. What's going on? You know, he was being an arsehole, but you want to come back and be forgiven. See, now for, you for... say that, but I think I'd agree with him more than her. Mm. It's like, look, there was a bloke. He was laying. Oh, she's now he's on about. We went and spoke chronic, to the police. Yeah. We came back. The bloke had gone of his own his own steam. Why mm. not? Don't wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Like, I did think that was funny because he said, what else could we do? And she said, worry. And and I I definitely make comments about worrying being, being mm. pretty pointless most of yeah, the time. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's the thing. I think it's, yeah, and so, no, I mean... The, there's I didn't no one, dislike him. I do him. think I, I would have helped just, the man. I, I'd like to think I would have helped him a little no, more than that. Like, you you just, just, but wait, just leaving him on the stairs to go into a lift and not even tell the guy before you got in the lift have you been to New York I did think that uh, the well, fact no, that they yeah. went up in no, the lift first but yeah. have you been to New the, York there is a point like in the don't know in, in the wrong situation I'm sure it would be harder to help more but We've all seen somebody drunk on a station laying in a pub. Oh, but she did say she did say I can't smell any alcohol. Like you can kind of tell, I think, if they're drunk, if they're completely unconscious. I would. I I agree. I would have gone to the bloke at the bottom of the lift and gone. Just said it straight off. Yeah, I think there's something going on down there. Like, well, um, well, no, I don't have to come back with you. I've yeah, told you there's yeah, something going on. It's See you later. Deal with. But like, yeah. Alex did not care. He just wasn't bothered in the slightest. And the guy in the lift didn't really care that much. Oh, he's great, though. Yeah. He is. That's a guy called Ron Pember, and he just appears in loads of stuff. He's just <laughs> so... He used to be in, on the buses, didn't he? Is that... oh, I don't know. Is he, he might have been. He was definitely in... Oh, do you know what I definitely know him from? What's that? It's come up a dozen times before, because it's one of my all-time favourite films. He is the man in the filling station in who gives him directions in Curse of the Crimson Altar. Yes, he is. Oh, he's looking yes, at the he sheet. See, yeah. told you. Very good. Yeah, petrol attendant in Curse of the Crimson Altar. Mm. Told you. Number one. Yes. On the list. There you go. Mm. Quite fucking Because I, I thought it's Crimson Altar, you know, and I'm glad. But he, he sort of runs... He's a guy, his name is Ron Pember. He runs through... British TV and not so many films to be honest but he's like in uh, he's in Murder by Decree as well isn't he he's one of the guys who are like you know when it's like a, a group of basically local cockneys come round to say there's Quite murders possibly. going on That's, yeah I was going to say that definitely is the type of character he normally yeah, plays yeah but he's in like um, uh, yeah he's, he's in Filthy Rich and Catflat He's the guy they're buying poison off of. But yeah, I mean, but obviously he's done, like, there's, yeah. Oh, Red Dwarf, Better Than Life. Yes. He's yes, the he tax is. man who Rimmer imagines up yeah. because he can't believe that anything nice would happen to <laughs> him. one of those guys you just see everywhere and as soon as mm. somebody goes, what do you know him from? You go, don't know. Mm. 
Yeah, he's in, yeah, because he was in like he's in the Sweeney, he's in Going Straight, The Avengers, Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, Black Beauty, uh, The Bill, Rumpole of the Bailey. He was also I'm going to have to mention it mostly for Wes uh, that he is Seedle in Slipback, which is the only official Doctor Who radio. Uh, oh, that he's okay, and that's he and he plays a copper in that. He is pretty much. Donald Pleasance's character in an episode of Doctor Who. He's, yeah, it's that same thing of like a slightly seedy little copper who's like sort of quiet. Yeah, but no, he's fucking great. I think uh, that's my problem with this. Mm. Is as you say with the Donald Pleasance. If this had been a film about Donald Pleasance as a detective, and they hadn't drawn, that, that was the problem. Like you were saying with the long drawn shots, and that was a fantastic shot. Mm. Where it was at 360 degree and it pulls yeah. out through the room and then up the, the up the corridor. Yeah. It's a brilliant shot. It took way too long. And the same when his sister slash girlfriend dies. Yeah. That was the same. Like, so she's died and he's upset and he's going to have a little freak. And it just, it just felt like there were these massive five minute scenes... Mm. That didn't need to be that, but without those scenes, it's ultimately just Donald Pleasance being yeah. a dick. Yeah, but yeah. I, that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want. I, I, that I think that's so the much. thing is when when I because no, I I understand it because even even the, I love the film as you know. Yes, but even for me, there is an element where it gets to. Can we get back to Donald? But, but, yeah. this, but, this must be because we're so used to. It's yeah. not being like that now. I mean, I, th- I think... Because I, I think they're trying to make that difference there. Yeah, really. The, the above ground yeah. is sort of... Is a lot, of, and lot of action. Yeah. And, yeah. and mm. the below ground is just him on his own, yeah. essentially. Once, Certainly some, once the mother, sister, wife dies. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I think once I'd got used to it and adjusted, I didn't mind that. Mm. But at first it just took that... But I think when this came out, when did you say it was? Uh, 72. 72. I mean, this must have been pretty impressive. Really, like the, you know, the um, effects mm. were pretty... The effects weird. and stuff are fantastic. It, just, it got a lot of... Because uh, that's something that a lot of people go on about, is that is that long shot. Mm. I am going to have to address this, though. This pisses me off. I keep seeing things where people go, oh, the corpse blinks, and he's not dead yet. Manfred, yeah, yeah. Manfred yeah, is still, not yeah, dead yet yeah. because he kills him when he slits his throat into yeah, yeah. the woman's mouth. Yeah. But loads of people say, Think "Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's there yeah. and he's blinking and he's meant to be dead." And it's like, no, he's not dead no, yet. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's had his fucking head stoved in, but he's mm. meant to be still alive. Yeah, because yeah. what's the most productive way to keep meat fresh? Yeah, keep it alive. Yeah. Exactly, so. and you can see that with the the multitude of corpses that. Mm. Like, he's had to go and kill somebody new because that person has gone rotten, but he hasn't had yeah. time to eat all of the flesh off yeah. yet. Mm. So they're still in... It's, like, there's mm. nothing technically wrong with this film. No. And I don't like it, but, as I say, with the exception... I think the reason I don't like it is because three scenes go on too long and it annoys me. And I think that's my only... Mm. All that, my other problem is the sound. The, the sounds in it are too loud. So, like, when it's doing that long single oh, shot and it's the drip, yeah. oh, and it's deafening. And it's I love like, that, like, I, I understand why they've yeah, done it, but yeah. because it's so loud... it's not loud, something you aesthetically yeah. like. Yeah. So, because it's so loud, it sounds 
unrealistic and that vaguely annoyed me and we had the same thing later on as well where he's shuffling through the hallway with you know carrying her and stuff mm. and like just the noises of him carrying I know they're in a I know they're in an enclosed space and it's mm. going to echo and stuff but I just found it to the point where it was so loud that it just sounded unrealistic and the it kind f- of took me out I mean that I mean, it must be said that the copy the, the one we're watching it the network DVD release mm. It does it. The sound, I have to say, that it's like the print they've got. The sound does fucking drop up and down as well. Yeah. Which is, it's not great. I mean, it's, it doesn't do it to a point. But there is just, I think it's like when the initial bit in the police station, hmm. like it gets to a point and then suddenly it's a hell of a lot louder. Yeah. Exactly. You can't in the middle of a conversation. Every time they say yes, it goes. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I, I can't even hear what they're saying mm. now. Like it's yeah. So I think I think that is I think that the is print that the problem of the print as well, to be honest. But it's sort of, but yeah, I think really. Also, I just think I wish this was a TV series. You know, like Kolchak. Yes. The nice, I wish this had made, been made into a TV series where basically Norman Rossington and Donald Pleasance go around solving weird and unusual mysteries by drinking and not solving it. That would be my favourite TV Fuck show of all time. It, it looks like the Sweeney is mm-hmm. kind of like the X-Files, but it's Donald Pleasance as sort of Inspector Frost in the 70s. He's it's such just, a shitbag. Oh, he's, he's great shit in it. He just so is. And obviously... Uh, refer to Welcome to Horror uh, episode 3 Prince of Darkness when we first met him and he's I think that's the thing that's how good an actor Donald Pleasance is is that he is in no way Father Loomis in this <laughs> any more than Father Loomis would be fishing out tea bags with a fucking dart I think that's the thing despite the fact I don't like this film this is my favourite Donald Pleasance mm. performance oh, because he's so phenomenal. Mm. It's like you say, for you, if you took out the horror parts of it, it would It'd actually be, be brilliant. Yeah. And I yeah. think, but I think, yeah, I mean, I've just, I, I mean, I like, because it actually only occurred to me, I know it sounds fucking mental, but it only occurred to me the other day that it's not actually a supernatural horror. Mm. Oh, no, it no. It's purely, it's, yeah. you know, it's purely within the bounds of possibility yeah. I mean very extraneous but yeah. it still is yeah but to give you some background um, obviously in America by the way Americans if you want to watch this it's called raw meat over in your country so yeah don't know why just is <laughs> makes no sense you know, uh, the, the tagline for this was a new line in terror mm, the like death line is like because the district line central line yeah death yeah. line Definitely, yeah. Mm. They, they renamed it the Jubilee Line, and yeah, <laughs> it continues to this day. Um, so, released on the 13th of October, 1972. Also released that year, Clockwork Orange, Frenzy, mm-hmm. Dirty Harry, The Offence, The Ruling Class, Silent Running, The Omega Man, Con- uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Carry On Matron and Carry On Abroad, uh, Polanski's Macbeth, Burke and Hare, Flesh and Blood Show, Fright, Bless This House, The Fiend, which if you've not seen is really good. It's got Patrick McGee in it from um, <gasps> Lilliput. Yeah, it's <laughs> just brilliant in it. Uh, Mutiny on the Buses, Doom Watch, Steptoe and Son, and a film that I've only just recently discovered called ZPG, which is set in 
the a dystopian future and Oliver fucking Reed is in it, so I've got to see that. Every one of those films you've mentioned so far, I don't like. <laughs> this is my problem. I don't like 1972. Clockwork Orange? No, I hate oh, Clockwork yeah, Orange. It's one it, of the most horrible films I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I think anybody who enjoys it is... should be Have you seen the in Mars? prison. Good film. You like the Omega Man, don't you? Uh, I've not seen it. Oh, fair enough. Ah, but 1972 also features a few Hammer films. Oh. Obviously, Dracula, AD 1972. That's a fantastic film. Demons of the Mind, Fear in the Mind, Straight On Till Morning, and Vampire Circus. So, you know, some... Vampire Circus was all right. Bit of the tail end of Hammer, to be honest, but Dracula and Vampire Circus, definitely good. But also from Amicus, you get Asylum and Tales from the Crypt. Oh, Tales from the Crypt is phenomenal. Yeah, Asylum's pretty damn good too. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. So, yeah, so that's like... In a weirdly, weirdly, this is like around the same time that Hammer are sort of losing their ground, ground a bit. Yeah, and I think that's why the seventies kind of shifts over to be American horror. Yeah, by the end of it, because I think that just yeah, when you've got, I mean, the Amicus stuff still, those are two perfect Amicus films. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the hammer stuff's sort of drifting out. I think this is my problem with not just with this film, but with this era, as we've just clearly seen. I didn't like England in the seventies. I didn't like the fashion. I didn't like the cars. I didn't like the music particularly. There's nothing going on in the seventies in England that I like. The stuff going on in the States was, yeah, they were all listening to great music and driving around in day vans. It was phenomenal, but over here it was, it was terrible. Number one when this came out was Mouldy Old Doe by Lieutenant Pigeon. You know, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Have you never heard that? It's the most fucking insanely weird fucking song. Of like, just why it ever got to number one? It's basically a drum beat, and someone going "Maldi Alda." Maybe over again. Maybe we'll close <laughs> out with that. Yeah. I think we could. Um, but yeah, the rest of the charts pretty. I mean, number five, children of Re- children of the revolution is T Rex. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, In a broken dream, Python Lee Jackson's number nine. Okay. And uh, I didn't know I loved you till I saw you rock and roll. By Gary Glitter, is it number four? See, the music was bad as well. Everything there's going good on music in the here. in the UK was There's good music, dire. there's 10cc, Bowie, Alice Cooper, Roxy. I mean, they're not things you like. I was going to say, yeah, none of it. <laughs> I don't like anything from the 70s from, from England, I think is my yeah. issue. This was also shown as a f- double bill with a film called Night Hair Child, which are three words I can't, I can't mm. in fact, I couldn't find out much about it, and I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Night Hair Child. I thought, I've misread Nightmare Child. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Night Hair Child. And hair as in on your head, not as in the little bunnies. Um, Gary Sherman, who directed it, also did Dead and Buried, um, which is Dan O'Bannon's scripted film. It's the one where the guy gets the... uh, It's like a guy's sitting there in like bandages and then the nurse comes in and just pushes a needle right in his eye. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, it's quite good. Uh, And Pop Guys 3. Now, that was a good film. 
So yeah, so he's you know he's 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 had his he's done his stuff, hasn't he? Uh, you might have recognised um, Richardson, the guy who was telling him about all the history of the tune yes. and everything. Yeah, yeah. he's um, Hyacinth's husband, Richard, yes. keeping yes. appearances, and also. Joe Bell in Revelation of the Daleks. And mm. I guess things. I've seen him in stuff that yeah. I liked. Uh, Mr. Cooper as well in Voyage of the Damned. Uh, Dead of Night, The Exorcism. Yeah. Actually, oh, and this was something... I, oh, now Jesus. I'm excited. I'm I've an, never seen him this excited I'm having on an the excited Catia moment. Right, Fucking okay. Hell. Right. Dr. Black in two M.R. James adaptions. He plays the same character in two of the M.R. James Ghost Shit stories. Shit me, yes he does. Yeah, Stalls of Barchester and A Warning to the Curious. Yes. I've never even put that together in my head. Yes he does. He put, but it's the same The guy. same character. Yeah, and I was like, Dad, Dad. Holy fuck. Yeah, I know. Whoever cast it obviously saw that ahead of us. Yeah, and I was like, sort of, what the, what the fuck, what the fuck. Oh, and um, Patricia, um, Sharon Gurney, uh, she's Michael Goth's daughter-in-law. Oh, really? Michael Goth, who we last saw as a giant with false legs in um, Legend of Hell House. Yes. Mm. Um, and when we eventually get round to showing you Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, mm. you will see him in that as a fantastic artist. Yeah. Well, as an artist who uh, does horrible things to Christopher Lee. Everyone does horrible things to Christopher Lee. It's just the way he likes it. <laughs> um, obviously, we did, we've obviously spoken about Donald Pleasance before, but I'm going to give him the full treatment this time. Cause we he deserves it. We he weren't really doing anything. So he was born in 1999 in Worksop in Nottinghamshire. And he died 1999? In no, 1919. Ah. Sorry. Yeah, he died. Born in 1999. The first man to discover time travel. <laughs> died 1995 at the age of 75 of heart failure. Uh, his daughter Angela Pleasance is also an actor because they play father and daughter in From Beyond the Grave. She does. Yeah. She is also in an episode of Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible, yes, which links back in... to the literally the last thing I just said to you. Yeah, mm. she's in the witches one, isn't she? She yeah. is. Oh, she's she was also she's also in Whitechapel. She yes, was she was. Creepy... She played the strange woman who kept yeah. turning up, and we didn't know who the hell she and was. She's either a Russian agent or Satan. She's amazing. She's brilliant. Uh, but he also wrote a children's book called Scouse the Mouse that was later adapted into a spoken word album with Ringo Starr as Ooh. Scouse. So there you go. 234 credits. Uh, we obviously met him as Father Loomis, who's possibly the brother of Dr. Loomis, which who is in Halloween, and he returned for the sequels Halloween 2, Halloween 4, 5, and The Curse of Michael Myers. Wait, and we saw Halloween 3. Yeah, we did. Yeah, which has got nothing to do with any of the Halloween movies. And obviously, he's the president in Escape from New York. Yes. Um, He's the best Blofeld in James Bond films, and you only live twice. Mm. George in Cul-de-Sac, Sen in THX one one three eight. Have you ever seen? Uh, I really think I should see that. That is a great film. I think you'd love that, man. So I assumed it wasn't necessarily great. I never actually looked into it. I just thought I should watch it. Yeah, it's it's really good. Is it George Lucas's first? It's his first sci-fi, and weirdly enough, it's actually got. It's quite. It's more like those sort of seventies satirical sort of sci-fi films. You know, like Logan's Run or something like that, where it has more of a sort of pointed 
thing like it has points to say but it also has like weird like we were saying about plausible future stuff okay and things yeah. like that so it definitely yeah definitely check that mm. out uh dr michael's in fantastic voyage uh valentine diaz in the uncanny uh Doc oh, Tidy the uncanny in, yeah it's great film the, or the uncanny the uncanny the uncanny <laughs> Uh, Dr. Hyden in Wake and Fright, Professor McGregor in Phenomena with Dara uh, Gentner film, uh, Tremaine in The Tales That Witness Madness. Uh, oh, from that. the Yep, yeah, that's a great fucking film. Uh, from Beyond the Grave, um, uh, Pickering of B Squad in The Monster Club. Yes. Yeah, oh, that, that's great. Monster Club, we need to show you that at some mm. point. That's a fantastic. Professor Nolter in The Mutations, aka The Freak Maker. Uh, Blythe the Blindfolder in The Great Escape, Dr. Crippin in Dr. Crippin, um, Himmler in The Eagle Has Landed, William Hare in The Flesh and the Fiends, uh, he's Dr. Seward in the Frank Langella version of Dracula. This, I really I keep forgetting to watch this. Uh, Father Roche in Land of the Minotaur, aka The Devil's Men, which is a film with Peter Cushing and Eno does the soundtrack. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, TV, he was obviously the spirit of dark and lonely water. Oh, um, God, yes. Which is the old uh, public oh, information right. film about don't swim, kids, because don't play near lakes because mm, you'll yeah. fall in and die. And he will come back as the Grim Reaper. Mm. Um, we've got, he was Karnaki, the ghost detective in Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he's in episodes of Twilight Zone, 1984. Uh, Columbo, Adrian Cassini in Columbo, any part of a storm. He, he could probably play Columbo. He is that same thing. That's <laughs> yeah. that's what Calhoun is like. Mm-hmm. He has that same sort. It's like that sort of shabby little dishevelled man sort yeah. of thing, isn't it? And actually, this is something that yeah. I was saying about that because um, uh, Christopher Lee, obviously, you know, is in it fairly briefly. Yeah, uh, Christopher Lee. Um, he arranged. He, he agreed to appear in it for standard for a standard rate, uh, as long as he got to appear with Donald Pleasance. Okay. Just really like rated him <laughs> as an actor. Mm. Um, they only to appear together on screen once when Lee is when Christopher Lee is sitting down. Yeah. And that's due to the height difference. Apparently, the director couldn't get them both in frame because Christopher mm. Lee's six five, yep. and Donald Pleasance is five six. So yeah. But apparently, also, I didn't know this. Christopher Lee was offered the role of of Doctor Loomis in Halloween, mm. which he turned he turned that down. Did you know that? What's that? Sorry, Christopher Lee was offered the role of Loomis before Donald Pleasance in Halloween. No, I he turned not so that. so obviously he turned it down. Donald Pleasance did it, and apparently he regretted that because it was like kind of what in introduced Donald Pleasance to a next generation of horror fans. Mm. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, so he was sort of like, yeah, a bit sort of, a bit miffed about that. Uh, also, interesting cast, uh, people who were due to play characters. The man was due to be played by Marlon Brando. <laughs> but his son got pneumonia and he couldn't do it. Mm. So That'd that, be a very different film. Well, the... Mama does. <laughs> Mama fucking does. <laughs> <laughs> fucking mock. Fucking mock at you. You prick. Yeah, I don't think that... Either, either, that, or, either that or um, Richard Pryor was putting out. So he went and banged him instead. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. Yes. Now, obviously, this is set in Russell Square Tube Station. 
on the Piccadilly line between Holborn and King's Cross. It's filmed at Aldwych Tube Station. Now, Aldwych Tube Station opened as the Strand in 1907, and it was a terminus on the Piccadilly line mm-hmm. uh, coming out of Holborn. It was renamed Aldwych in 1915. It was partially closed during World War One, and the disused platform was used for storage of around 300 paintings from the National Gallery. Uh, well, obviously, they moved them out because of the German bombing raids. Yeah, because so they were keeping them under there. Opened again, like completely opened again in 1918, obviously post-war. Then during World War II, um, it was uh, closed and became an air raid shelter. It was one of the designated air raid shelters, you know, during the Blitz. Uh, And also the tunnels connecting Aldwych and Holborn uh, were stored uh, items from the British Museum that time around, uh, including the Elgin Marbles. Uh, It reopened in 1946. But due to lack of custom, a shuttle train only ran weekdays at peak hours, so like morning and evening rush hour, which meant that it could be used for filming because it only ran a train at sort of like a couple of hours a day. Um, So, yeah, so that's when this was filmed. Uh, The branch was finally closed in 1994, but they've still kept it available for filming. Uh, the track and infrastructure are sort of all maintained so that it doesn't need anything doing to it when people come to do filming. Yeah. Um, and it retains its physical net connection to the Piccadilly line. You can manually switch to it if you want to. Yeah. And they've actually got an ex-Northern Line uh, 72 tube train permanently there. Um, wow. So you, And you can roll that in and out as you want for filming. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, as a location, it's earned London Underground more money than it ever did as a station. <laughs> That's how bad, that's how little it was used, wow. essentially. Um, other films that have used, uh, filmed on all which, uh, in all which are Creep, V for Vendetta, The Craze, uh, Neverwhere, the Neil Gaiman TV yeah. series, uh, episode of Sherlock, 28 Weeks Later, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and uh, also the video for Firestarter. Ah. You know it's all in the tunnels and everything. Yeah, that's all around all which. And also it's a playable level in Tomb Raider 3, apparently. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's See, a pretty famous station. Yeah, I think that's another thing is I don't like horror on trains. I was thinking this earlier. See, I love, I love that. That's that's my favourite bit of American Werewolf, is the chase through the tunnels. Yeah, see, I'm not that big a fan of that part of that film. Mm. And again, Creep, I didn't like. Mm. Um, yeah, there's just something about it. That, I, it just like it is. Because it's quite eerie between the stations, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I sort of and it's thought a that, very good way mm, of isolating yeah. people. Oh, so yeah, I kind definitely. of get that element of it, but yeah, for some reason it just doesn't. We might, is it a sense of because the train could break down in there, and that's probably not a fun experience? I think it is that isolation thing. I think yeah. it's also because, I mean, certainly even nowadays, you know, communication on the tube is nigh impossible. Mm. You know, you can't even. You don't have to explain why a mobile's not working if you're on if the you're tube. underground. Yeah, you know, so like with creep, no one could get through to anyone. Yeah, you know? mm. and yeah, there's a lot of. Um, I think it is just. I think it's it's caves. It's ca- essentially, you know, it's creepy caves. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Because actually, one of the the guy who went, you know, when uh, Alex is walking off the platform, and then the guy comes and accosts him. Yeah. yeah. He is a guy called Jack Walgar, and he is in. There's a, a second Doctor story of Doctor Who set on the London Underground called The Web of Fear. 
And again, it plays to those same sort of things. The interesting thing with that is, though, is that they asked um, they asked London Transport if they could film at Aldwych, and they would let them. Yeah. And then they built their own set, and apparently they then rang up the BBC to complain because they thought they'd used the thing. They did the set so well that they were like, no, you've, you've just come in and filmed on our station. What are you doing? Wow. Um, but yeah, and um, but yeah, I think there's a lot. I think it's one of those ones where you can you can be trapped down there. You can be you know you can get locked in, um, and just merely the fact that you're if you're between stations, you're fucked. But if you're on a station, you're fucked because if you if you can't get out, mm. if you're locked in or whatever yes. like that, unless a train's coming past, what are you going to do? You mm. can't go on the rails. Yeah. I vaguely remember Jennifer and I going out <coughs> one night and coming back somewhere and getting off the last train mm. and us going to leave the station and the gate had been well, called, yeah. pulled across. Mm. Yeah, and luckily there were another couple. And while we were standing around trying to decide what to do, this bloke just decided he was going to force the fucking gate open, which he did. So we all just walked Good out through it. Mm. But yeah, we were kind of going, well, who what? do you yeah. phone? What yeah. do you? Mm. And he was like, well, I'm sure if I get hold of this mm. this handle on this side and put my full weight against the wall, I can just... Yeah, and he just wrenched the fucking thing open. Jesus which was, Christ. He, he didn't have like a beard and suppurating sores, did he? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was another point as well. You know the three guys who were on the the three guys who yeah. get killed on the platform. Yeah. Um, they're two stuntmen and a wrestler mm. who were obviously it was like right, okay, let's get some guys who can, we can just chuck around. Yeah, you know, so that's why that's pretty. Even though it's sort of filmed because it's not you know where it's like by torchlight, but I think that's. Weirdly, that's effective, and it's not that sort of stupid thing you get nowadays where it's just like, what is going on? See, now I think I almost had the opposite with that, because I remember thinking this time round, not so much the shooting of it, I thought it was quite nice, Um, but yeah, my thing was just, right, so there's this guy who's emaciated and isn't eating or whatever, Mm. and there's two pretty burly blokes, and the two of them can't get the better of this dickhead. And I was like, especially when in the very next scene, it's a very small girl, and she just slaps him in the side of the head, and he falls on the floor. And I was like, So I I totally did think that, but then then I, because I was still trying to convince myself to, to sort of get over those bits, but I think... He was used to being in the dark, so perhaps the lights went out. They've got the torches, but they're still not I as good. So maybe he's in his element. Yeah. yeah. So I decided, all right, I'll, I'll give that. Oops. And then when she's hitting him in the head, that is clearly a something's mm. wrong with that bit of his head. Well, yeah, so yeah, because he's got those big blisters yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. So, so she's clearly just gone so for maybe. But I can see how yeah it did look th- a bit. I think also you've got to remember you're just down there cleaning the tube and suddenly your mate comes out with a spade in his head mm. yeah you're probably and, not in the and, best frame of mind and also it, like a lot of fights he's willing to kill them yeah yeah and they're just they're just trying like to what get the fuck? away you know, yeah. yeah what is going on here and but that, that was like still that. where I, I had a bit of doubt because I was thinking well how is he not so weak but exactly because I mean but, he's, you know he's anemic yeah but, but that so does on, yeah. but then that wasn't I hadn't realised he'd been born down there at that point which seems kind of dumb now, mm. but 
Because yeah, I think I, that's the thing, like we were saying, I suppose it's just, it is that sort of thing again of being like quite hardy stock. Yeah. yeah. That you're obviously, yeah. Because like they say, but, but I mean, I even love that where it's like the vitamin deficiency because it's like you're living, you're living purely on me. Mm. You haven't seen daylight, mm. you know, and, you know, we, weirdly, little sort of bits like that, it's like sort of, hmm, but they must I, have like, delib- I like the cut of your gym. They must you know? have deliberately added bits like that in to oh, say yeah, that he is yeah. really tough. Even mm. with these problems he's got. Yeah. I suppose. Again, they did address a lot of the things which this which, time round I was more forgiving of. But mm. yeah, I still just, you know, the whole time I was just like, well, you know where the station is now. Why do you what? not just go up the stairs? Yeah. Go out yeah. to the street. Why are you still living down there? Yeah. But again, if it's all you've ever known. Yeah, if, if it's so that's what, it. That's, mm. that's as I sort of got used to that idea, I think that is it. If you don't know anything else. That yeah, would seem why really would you push weird. it, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you wouldn't, would you... Is it almost instilled in you not to go out? Yeah. yeah. You know, or... That's what I was yeah. thinking. He, he'd only been down there. But, yeah, so I just couldn't quite make sense of it really yeah. at first. Because I think, I think they sort of... Because it's weird is that it's one of the... Because, again, like I say, I mean, you've obviously got the... Like, I mean, Donald Pleasance is the reason I love this film. Above anything else, Donald Pleasance is the reason I love this film. His character actually doesn't really have anything to do with it, even though he's the main character. Yeah. Which is impressive. It's being like, how are you a starring cameo? How does that <laughs> even work? But uh, just by it's sheer ba- It's back to Kurt Russell in Big Trouble, really. It, yeah. It's it is actually, yeah. You're an incidental character, yeah. but yeah. we are following you for the entire duration exactly, of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, but... But equally, there's like this sort of, um, like they go through the whole, um, oh, there was a load of people trapped down there and the rocks fell in, like they were, they were trapped down there and they might have survived. Is said to you before you even see the man. Yeah. Before you see what's going on under there. And so everything is kind of revealed backwards mm. yeah. to how it would normally be narratively. Mm. It's sort of, you get that and then you get the pan round. And then the weirdest part is you then get what is only an audio flashback. Mm. In that you hear like the sounds of pickaxes and digging and the sound of the yeah. tunnel caving in. Yeah. But only audio. Yeah, and you're still panning round present the the yeah. present day of that thing, and so it's, yeah, it's a very weird in that sense because I think I I probably first encountered this like late at night and came in halfway through and was just so entertained by Donald Pleasance mm. that yeah. So if I'd seen even a clip of that, I would have definitely watched mm. the whole thing again and yeah. given it a lot of. And that's what it is, I think, because I've I've seen it so many times. But there mm. there is a lot that I would say when, as, as on a first viewing, there is a lot that's like, it, not necessarily they don't tell you, no. but they do it in a way that is so backward, sort of, yeah, backward or sort of not how you do a narrative. Yeah, but partially, I think I was distracted by Donald Pleasance a yeah. little bit more than. Yeah. <coughs> If this film didn't have Donald Pleasance in it, I would probably have vetoed this. But see, film as, as we've uncovered, <laughs> like, as, as I've got used to the details, then I'm liking it more and more because, uh, you know, I think that is an interesting concept. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's, it is a, it's a weird one. It is a thinker. 
Yeah. And you sort of see it's I think it's got that love it's got that lovely thing where it's like, but what about this? Oh yeah, and like you say, they they, they do cover a lot of their bases on this. Yeah. There's not much you know, there's not much left to it other than, like you said, well, just don't go to fucking Russell Square. Mm. It's trouble. Yeah. You know, stay out of there. You know. But it's one of those, when I've watched it before, I've seen it like twice before, and I've been like, yeah, no, I didn't really like it. But again, <clears throat> although I still don't like it anymore now, having talked it through, mm. I think it's more of an aesthetical thing. Yeah. Because the story itself... As you say, you can't find, with the exception of the, why don't you just leave the station? With the exception, yeah. of, uh, there's nothing about the, the narrative or anything that doesn't work or doesn't mm. hold well. And Donald Pleasance and everyone, it's 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 a really good story. Yeah. I just think aesthetically, I it's not don't your bag. Like yeah, it. that's fair enough. Because I, I think it is quite weirdly enough. I think the stuff with the man's quite uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on underground is quite arty, like sort yeah. of art film. They're, like you say, there's a lot of hefty sound design that is uh, unnaturalistic to mm. sort of emphasise mental states. There's a lot of... I mean, like I said, even when I'm watching it, I'm like, are we getting a Donald Pleasance? I don't think this goes on this long. Yeah. You know, and... But I think that... So, it's like a nice... I think they try and... Emphasise that dissonance, but in a way that you wouldn't... Basically, you wouldn't be necessarily allowed to now. Yeah. In that people would be a bit more, well, hang on, you know, it's not... Yeah, it feels like two different films or it feels like two different bits. And like you say... But that is what makes it... 1970s Britain films don't really appeal to you, so it's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's, I, that's what I mean. I mean, from my point of view, I mean, it's it's hanging out there like a set of big glaring balls that I'm willing to kiss. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know what that metaphor was. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's what this film does to you. It makes you make declarations that you're confused by even as you say them. <laughs> okay, so out of five... Five trains up Whitley Streamer's tube. Oh, yeah. I was going to say out of five... Out of hours in the pub scotches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Only if there's a pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> How many, Adam, would you give this movie? Oh, I'd give it ten. Out of five. Ten out of five? Yeah. Chris, out of five out of hours scotches in a dodgy cockney pub. I'm going to give it 4.8999999. I am going to give it three. Is that is that increased from? It has, it has, because yeah, I I thought of this as a two, Mm. and it's a three. Um, As I say, the fact that there there are no plot holes in it, almost. It seems Mm. there's a lot less than at first there may have been. Yeah, Um, and as I say, if if it wasn't for the underground stuff and I know why they've done it and I mm. know what they were trying to convey but it just didn't work for me if they'd taken that out and had cut those scenes down it would only be an hour long film of Donald Pleasant. of Donald Pleasant. but still but that would, would be the finest hour of exactly. Donald Pleasant. I would love that so I think that's my problem is that the, the way that they chose to convey mm. his suffering and isolation and, and stuff 
just I found a bit. He does that well, doesn't he? Though that guy, I think that he does. He manages to be both re- uh, repellent, sympathetic, mm-hmm. evil. You know, just it, that actor all, yeah. is phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. You can't take anything away from him. Yeah, and yeah. again, I think probably Brando wouldn't have done a much better job. Oh, I don't think Brando would have worked. I think it would have overbalanced it as well, because then it would be a film that was like, oh, it's a Marlon Brando film. And he's a great big bastard. Like, how many people would you have to eat to be oh, that size? Fuck yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah it was just... like this was a little skinny guy, and it's like, oh, and we know, yeah. and we know what the prick's like from fucking Apocalypse. Now, are you going to slim down? Yes. I... <laughs> turns up like the side of a fucking house. <laughs> lazy, lazy man. Um, <laughs> right. So as we as we previously mentioned, um, next week's episode, uh, well, next next episode. Sorry, um, next episode would either be Prevenge if Claire is available, mm-hmm. um, and if not, then the next episode will be Pan's Labyrinth. And then hopefully, um, whichever one it is, the following one will we'll be do the, the other. next one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you very much. Um, don't forget to hashtag um, Ask Welcome to Horror uh, on any of the social medias and send us a question. Yeah. And we will be more than happy to answer it, regardless of how crazy or random it may seem. Uh, yeah, just do it. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll love it. Um, Come and speak to us uh, below on SoundCloud. Uh, come and find us on Instagram at Welcome to Horror. Yeah. Um, we're at fa- on Facebook, at Welcome to Horror. And you can email us at info at welcometohorror.com. Um, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Go and check out Deathline. Um, yeah, and give us your opinions. It's the first film we've kind of been divided on. So, mm. uh yeah, we'd love to hear what you guys make of it. Um, yeah. And get your hair cut. Your bloody hair cut. Mm. Thanks for listening. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.